Welcome to the Nintendo Fusion Podcast, a podcast that fuses past, present, and future Nintendo thought. I'm David, accompanied by my friend Jordan. This week we're talking about the June 2022 Partner Showcase. Um, and also Monster Hunter came out recently, and I'm a huge fan of Monster Hunter, so I would like to talk about that as well. Uh, before we get into that, though, uh, was this really a a mini direct like nintendo claimed it to be it was 25 minutes long <laughs> and it had a huge number of games to be honest like i think this is a full partner direct rather than just a mini showcase because there was a lot i'm starting to think that what the fans view as a mini is different than what nintendo views as a mini we think like mini means a small amount of content whereas nintendo i think means there's not going to be any like groundbreaking reveals set your expectations low sort of deal i almost wonder if we should start going through all of the old directs and like what was revealed to see if that like holds true you know like did a mini ever have any sort of big groundbreaking announcement or not i can't think of any but nintendo does like to do the one more thing thing so i don't know well i guess i guess it would ultimately depend on if you think uh shimigami tensei 5 was a groundbreaking reveal because that did show up in a partner showcase last year or in 2020 i don't remember which i think it was 2020 yeah i think you're right i honestly don't remember though it was during the uh covid era where we were getting a weird set of directs from nintendo where the quality could range anywhere from Shin Megami Tensei 5 to the big game being WWE, the mobile game or something. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird era. But hey, at least we got a good amount of stuff, right? Like in this one, even if it's nothing officially from Nintendo themselves. Um, but what's really odd is like our prediction was wrong, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> we were way off. We were way off. We thought we'd be getting some nice big Nintendo Direct with at least a couple of things, you know, like uh, some sort of look at the next Zelda game, maybe an announcement for Mario or Donkey Kong. But Nintendo pulled a Nintendo and just didn't give us any sort of first party information at all, other than small trailers and updates this month for like Splatoon 3 and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 or Xenoblade Chronicles 3. It seemed almost like Nintendo is trying to sidestep around their um, their financial like meeting and all that with their with financial directors and all that. Um, right, because they had that on like the 29th of June or something. So they didn't want to do some sort of announcement and have everybody be upset at a lack of content. Because, <laughs> I mean, given the lack of an actual direct makes me think that there's really not much that's coming very soon. Or if there is, it's coming for like the next iteration of the switch or something. I think the 2022 is pipeline is pretty dry. Uh, losing Zelda really hurt this year. At the beginning of the year, we were saying, oh, this is going to be another 2017. And now I'm looking at it like, ah, I don't know. Like 2017 was a genre, like a game industry defining gear. And across the industry, not just from Nintendo. (laughs) Yeah. And was a triple S tier gear. This is going to end probably in the B tier. Like it's good. It's not a drought or anything. We're getting Pokemon. We're getting Splatoon. We got a new look at Kirby and there's also Xenoblade. That's a pretty healthy lineup of games with a good variety. But there's nothing that's like huge for the general consumer. Aside from, I guess, Pokemon. 
Right. Like everything Nintendo's releasing this year, including from this partner showcase, I think hits every single type of, you know, gaming fan. If you enjoy a particular genre, there's definitely a game for you this year. But there is no Zelda. There is no Mario. There is no big, huge Nintendo game that everybody's going to want to play and enjoy. As much as I love Splatoon 3, Splatoon 3's popularity is much bigger in Japan than it is here in the U.S., even though there are a lot of people that really love and enjoy it. It's just not one of those forever staples. Splatoon will still sell about 10 million copies. Like oh, Splatoon, absolutely. Splatoon's still a juggernaut. Let's not downplay it. No, but no. But no. we're not going to see Nintendo make a big presence at the Game Awards at the end of this year. No. Which is a shame, but... Which is a bit of a bummer, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they might they might be able to... Well, actually, I was going to say they might take Best RPG, but Elden Rings this year, so... Uh, right. Sorry, Xenoblade. <laughs> as excited as I am for Xenoblade, even after the absolute perilous two times trying to get the uh, special edition. <laughs> oh, that's, that was a nightmare. Still, even after Nintendo was like, oh, sorry, we're not going to do it. What was it? Three weeks ago, four weeks ago. They were like, we're going to we'll have it out at a later date. They announced the day before it went live that it was going to be live, but they didn't announce a time. And then they just like threw it up on the store and everyone was scrambling to get in. And of course, as soon as they threw it up, they didn't actually have more infrastructure set up and ready to go, more resources to handle everybody. So half of us got frozen on the cart checkout page waiting for random things to be confirmed by other services. Like I know some people that were stuck on the select a shipping option. Other people were waiting on the credit card being processed. I was stuck on having my address verified as a real address. (laughs) And it was just, it was a nightmare. Fortunately, they, after literally five hours, they finally had more resources and we were all able to get our pre-orders and I have mine, but I just, I can't believe that a company like Nintendo would have something as big as Xenoblade on their store and just not be ready for it. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo's summer this year is actually pretty active, uh, more so than most years. Like in June, we got Fire Emblem Three Hopes, Monster Hunter and Mario Strikers. Um, Three Hopes has a very, very specific audience. Strikers was a bit of a disappointment uh, to a lot of people uh, just because they're just it, it. It did what Mario Sports titles does and didn't have any content <laughs> at release. But the promise of more content at a later date. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's a good approach. No. Nope. Because like so many people are just going to skip out and be like, well, if the content's not there, then I'll just get it later. And then <laughs> most of them won't because like the hype is gone by the time that the content is there. Like who yeah. who are you like servicing by releasing the game too early and not having the content at release they're shareholders i guess (laughs) they just need a little bit of a bump but um and then monster hunter is good but that's like not nintendo internal that is a partnership with capcom and rise is no longer an exclusive so it's also on pc but it is a console exclusive so it's still a pretty big release and then next month we get xenoblade which is uh going to be the biggest release for Nintendo during the summer. Um, but I'm expecting, I, I think this one will probably outsell Xenoblade 2. It'll probably hit around the 3 million mark is what I'm expecting. So. I think so too. And it'll definitely outsell Xenoblade Chronicles 1, Yeah, at least initially. Um, yeah, It will I- be an easier game to sell with um, <laughs> the, the character designs. I <laughs> So <laughs> but it um it has some choice character designs. Let's just say that. 
<laughs> I'm not arguing there. <laughs> <laughs> Which can make it a bit difficult to market it in Western markets. So, yeah. But hey, looking forward to it. Anyway, Jordan, you brought up Monster Hunter uh, Rise. The Sunbreak DLC launched, right? Yeah, so we got uh, Sunbreak, which is this Monster Hunter's major expansion. Um, we we claim that this is like a thing Monster Hunter does, but really they've only done it with World and with Sunbreak. Um, <laughs> before this, what they would do is they would do the fighting game approach where they would just re-release the game as an ultimate edition or something. Um, this is a much more consumer-friendly approach. <laughs> um, there are some people online complaining that oh there's a no a new rank here so i have to grind out new armor sets it's like man i remember when ultimate came out for try and it's like an entirely new game you have to go through all three uh ranks not just one but um so yeah sunbreak and iceborne are definitely a better approach to go about it uh i like sunbreak i'll start off with that it's good it's not what i wanted though i feel that it's a bit lacking so like i'm not disappointed i'm just not satisfied i think it's the best way to say it okay so um because it is it's more rise and rise is good um i think my biggest issue is the pacing in it is very weird and that there's not a lot of new monsters and the new monsters they added they wanted to go for like the big bombastic monsters and those typically have a higher uh, difficulty curve to them. So they're jammed at the end of the D- DLC, which means the entire beginning of the DLC is just monsters you've already fought in the base game. That seems disappointing, honestly, even yeah. though I haven't played it. Um, we got four new monsters, which feels a bit low. <laughs> but the four new monsters they added are some of my favorite monsters in, in the entire franchise, they oh, added really? a werewolf dragon that is really, really cool where it transforms uh, when it like howls and stuff and like night like effects happen and all that stuff. That's um, super cool. <laughs> it seems like the four monsters they chose are themed around monsters from like horror films or whatever. So you have like King Kong as a, like a giant rock ape that's the first one and then like a werewolf dragon and then a vampire dragon and i don't know what the fourth one is but i'm sure it's going to be well the vampire dragon actually might be the fourth one but it's in all the cutscenes, so you know it's coming so <laughs> <laughs> uh, i only just got through the werewolf dragon um so i'm in my master rank four and i've been told the story ends around master rank six and that there are seven master ranks so i'm working through it um i do like getting more armor sets more things to grind more uh weapons and all that if and then on top of the like the four new monsters we also got seven returning monsters um two of them from monster hunter 2 and since i haven't played monster hunter 2 they're basically new to me and then the rest were from like frontiers 4 and generations uh which it's good it's good to move those off of those older games especially since foreign generations are locked to the 3ds so it's nice to have it on a system with good controls um so if if you're newer to monster hunter you you effectively got 11 new monsters in this game um but if you've been playing around i technically got like six new monsters uh (laughs) because i've never played against the uh the damio and uh its variant from monster hunter 2 
uh, switch skills. They added so in Monster Hunter Iceborne, we got like new mechanics for the grapple hook, which was awesome. It changed like the entire like structure of how you approach fights. And in this one, we got switch skills, which uh, you can choose like your moves or whatever, sort of like in Smash Bros with the Miis or whatever. You can like choose the moves that the Beavs have in this game. You can do that with basically all the hunters and the switch skills now allow you to have two sets of moves. And in the middle of the fight, you can switch to a different set. And I don't feel like that has as much of an impact as the changes to grapple hooks in the in Iceborne. Really, I think the reason why I'm not super satisfied with this game is because it's not as big of an expansion as Iceborne. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's good. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. I I have put a lot of hours this week, probably close to like. 50 or so already since it's released on Thursday. But I wish there was just more and I wish the pacing was better. Yeah, that, that's kind of a bummer to hear. I know you were super excited for it again. I know you said that it's good, but going into these types of things, especially when it's a series or a game that you really love, you really do hope that that DLC is like significant, especially since it seemed like they were hyping up quite a bit more new stuff than it seems they delivered. Am I accurate with that? Yeah. And we still got uh, two new maps Technically, one new map and one returning map, but the returning map of Monster Hunter 2 and no one's played that game. So, effectively two maps. Wait, um, so they just took a map from Monster Hunter 2 and just put it in Monster Hunter Rise? Yeah, Does that they, happen there's, often? there's a lot more work into it because, like, you have to, like, update it and everything. Like, Monster, Monster Hunter 2 was on the PS2. Right, but I, I mean, do, like, maps typically return? Uh, not that I know of. Like, Iceborne only added one new map, though, if I remember right. So the fact that we got two maps is actually a good rate in this one. Oh, that's good. Um, But I can imagine somebody that has hundreds of hours of playing even just this one game (laughs) would be pretty upset that they have to fight the same monsters at the beginning. Yeah. And like you have to put them in there just because of how the game works. Right. So like you have to have a master rank version of all these monsters. So and like they do get new moves like they're not exactly the same fight. But it is a bit disappointing, especially since a large amount of Monster Hunter Rise's um, monster catalog is from World, which I just recently got out out of. (laughs) And I imagine that was because like this game is pretty close to the engine of Monster Hunter World. So they just were able to port monsters over fast to it. But it is a bit disappointing to be fighting a lot of whatever, a lot of repeat content effectively. Mm, That makes sense. But you would rate this like pretty highly out of yeah. all the Monster Hunter content you've played. Yeah. So I would say as an expansion, it's probably about a 7.5. Um, if you have Monster Hunter Rise and enjoyed Monster Hunter Rise, just get it. Just play it. It's it's a good time. If you didn't like Monster Hunter Rise, this is going to do nothing to change your opinion. <laughs> I also have to point out to our listeners that a 7.5 from Jordan is actually really high praise. <laughs> I know we gave like Metroid... Uh, uh, Dread, a perfect 10 and a couple of other games we've reviewed on this channel, perfect 10s. But like Jordan really does believe that five is like, you know, totally fine and average. So a 7.5 is pretty good. Yeah. A five is a game I'd play <laughs> on my <laughs> scale. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Uh, anything else you want to say about Monster Hunter Rise here? Uh, I haven't played it, of course. I know I would be super into Monster Hunter if I gave it a chance, but I just... 
Uh, and this don't. is also the best one to start as a new player. Um, I'm still astonished at how good the netcode is on this game. <laughs> it, <I guess. laughs> say what you will about Monster Hunter Rise, but it has better netcode than Monster Hunter World does. Like it's more stable to play online on the Switch than it is to play on PC on World, which is astounding to me because it, it's the Switch. I think this is probably the game on the Switch that has the best netcode period that's fascinating because you said the same thing about like mario party (laughs) mario party is pretty good but it's nowhere near this good and like mario party is a much more simpler game than monster hunter which (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm, i am seriously blown away at how well the game runs on the switch considering um the switch is showing its age for a lot of other games and like this game was built ground up for the switch so that's great but they they really knocked it out. I don't know what black magic they pulled to get it to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of uh, aging switch hardware, we've had we have some rumors, right, David? Yeah, we do have some rumors. So like literally this morning, Nintendo straight up announced a new version of well, I, w- I shouldn't say new version, more like a new type of switch OLED that you can buy. Everything on the inside is exactly the same as the Switch OLED, but it is themed after Splatoon 3, which is really cool because it's the first themed Switch we've had since Animal Crossing, I believe. Um, And it's the first one for the Switch OLED. And honestly, like, I don't know if you've seen pictures of it, Jordan. The Joy-Cons are like the best looking Joy-Cons Nintendo's made. Like, you should look at a picture of it. (laughs) It looks so cool. Um, the dock is also themed around Splatoon 3 and it looks like really cool. But what's really interesting about this like announcement is, um, there was a leaker that just, I imagine a few days ago or a few weeks ago actually predicted the switch OLED model, which nobody was calling or understanding, um, and the date that it would be announced, which turned out to be true on both cases and then also claims that an upgraded model of the switch itself maybe the uh, successor the next generation whatever is actually going to be coming out later this year or at least announced later this year which is honestly kind of insane (laughs) we uh, Jordan and I have been predicting that Nintendo would probably announce it this year and release it next year and Breath of the Wild 2 is being held back specifically because of this right Jordan? Uh, I don't think Breath of the Wild is being held back specifically for this, but I think it was just like a happy okay. accident sort of thing. Like to take advantage of it. Yeah. Like yeah. I think Zelda got delayed because uh, of internal developments for Zelda and it wasn't because of like a Switch 2 like some people are claiming. Yeah. But I could also see them being like, well, that would be a good time to release it with the Switch 2 or whatever. At the same time, though, I imagine they would have chosen a different game to be like the the launch title for the Switch 2. I don't know. Maybe not. It, it's always weird. I, I think so, like with the Switch 1, Zelda being a multi-console release worked really well for the Switch because like it just kept people who were loyal enough to Nintendo to not be angry but no one owned a Wii U, so it was basically <laughs> a, a, like a new console release, right? But with right. the Switch 2, if Zelda is the launch game, how many people are going to have that be the reason that to go switch to the Switch 2 when like 100 million people have a Switch 1 already? Right. I know that in like some of my own friend circles and whatnot, they're honestly like not looking forward to the Switch 2 being announced 
soon really? because they just purchased a switch. Oh, so it, it's weird. That's fine. They, they can, uh, they have an entire catalog of games to catch up on and, uh, they can buy a switch two five years from now. They clearly were able to wait five years for a switch one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I just pulled up a little bit more about this leak just so that I had more accurate information. And uh, from what seems to be happening, uh, this actually comes from a factory worker. (laughs) Um, The factory worker actually mentioned way back in April that Nintendo was working on the themed OLED switch for Splatoon and also mentioned a brand new switch model. Um, Those are the only two like leakers really that have this kind of credibility when it comes to the Nintendo Switch hardware itself, because this was also the same source that leaked the Switch Lite backplate before it was even announced. So the fact that they got the Switch Lite backplate years ago and this themed OLED Switch gives a lot more credibility to this rumor, and they seem to imply that it's uh, it's coming out this year. So and I just thought that that was really fascinating. Um, especially since as we've been talking about quite a bit, the switch is just certainly showing its age when it comes to its power. And it wasn't that powerful when it launched in 2017. It was a budget tablet for 2016. Um, I'm, I'm, so the thing that I I think Nintendo has kind of made me really skeptical about anything like rumblings going on in hardware space because the way he words it where it's a new model and it's going to be something that they announce in September right before Pokemon um <laughs> I don't think this is going to be a, a pro or a switch 2 <laughs> I'm thinking that it's just going to be an OLED switch light at this point <laughs> an OLED switch light <laughs> that's totally possible and they're going to announce it as like a Pokemon like tie-in or whatever, and there'll be a special edition Pokemon OLED Switch Lite for kids who want really nice screen quality. I don't know. The OLED makes more sense to be on the Switch Lite than on the Switch anyway, right? I totally agree, because the smaller screen, the fact that you can only play in handheld mode, I mean, it fits perfectly. Plus, it kind of follows the pattern Nintendo's done with their handhelds of trying to have like a smaller, cheaper model of any sort of new revision that they do. Like the regular DS came out with the 2DS, and then they did the 3DS, and then they did the 2DS XL. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're always trying to push for those like kind of cheaper versions of their hardware. Uh, What's also interesting, though, about these rumors is uh, recently um, there was a new trademark filed through the European Union Intellectual Property Office, and the trademark is a registered name for NSW, which is likely an acronym that has Nintendo Switch and then something for W. Uh, It's the Nintendo Switch Wii U. (laughs) i mean yeah probably (laughs) i mean to be fair like i was talking with some friends the other day about how it would be really quite cool if you could connect two switches together have one broadcast the tv and then have like the tablet screen from the wii u on another switch yeah i mean it's the only way to get some well i was going to say it's the only way to get some wii u games out but like what Wii U games are left to get to the Switch, actually. Uh, the Zelda games, but those don't really need the game. <laughs> I guess the Nintendo's approach was instead of like make hardware to make this work with an emulator, we're just going to remake all the games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only one that's really still trapped that could benefit at least somewhat from the touchpad is uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yeah. But 
that's kind of the only one that's left. Yeah, the only games I can think on the, the Wii U that need to be brought over are the remakes for Zelda, which should be easy to bring over. And uh, I, yeah, Xenoblade X. Uh, is there anything else? Hashtag FE made it. Like, that still just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's still crazy. But uh, anyway. Oh, I guess Star Fox Zero is the other one. Oh, yes, yes. I'm a fake Star Fox fan. Uh, it's been confirmed. <laughs> we literally talked about that like two episodes ago. <laughs> um, but anyway, regarding the like new Switch hardware, if there is something that's launching this year, it is likely that it's just a mini OLED. <laughs> yeah, well, like with an OLED mini, it can't be a pro. Because like you were saying, your friends are a little upset with the idea of a new Switch being announced, right? Because it would invalidate their purchases. Imagine uh-huh. if they did a pro this fall and the next spring did the Switch too. Like it would, <laughs> people would be outraged. But with an OLED mini, it's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like I got it for my kid and they're not going to get a Switch at release, a Switch 2 at release anyway. Like they got it for Pokemon. Mm-hmm. When's, whenever Gen 10 comes out, that's where I'll get a Switch 2. That that's the kind of audience I'll end up picking up an OLED switch uh, mini, I think. Right. So it, it aligns like I I don't see it being <laughs> we we need like a Zelda is definitely. OK, so I know I'm going to contradict myself because earlier I said <laughs> I don't think Zelda is the is launch title. I want to rephrase that. I think Zelda is the launch title. I don't think it was planned to be the launch title. I think they have something else that they initially planned to be the launch title and that probably got bumped for Zelda to now lead the charge. Um, Because like, I think Zelda's going to be big, but it's not going to like be a big, it's not going to force a lot of people to switch over from their switch to people who are going to switch over to the switch to initially are going to be the people like you and I who are enthusiasts who want a little bit more umph with our machines when we're playing Bowser's Fury. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's not going to be just for like Breath of the Wild 2. And like, we'll also want it. But like, the average consumer of Nintendo products is going to be like, why am I going to get a, a new console just for Zelda when I can just play it on the Switch 1? Which ultimately for the consumers is better because then it's not going to be like this mad rush with like scalpers and everything for the Switch 2. Like, it still is going to be, but it won't be as drastic. Yeah, I can agree with that. And to be fair, if like we are actually getting the Switch 2 next year, it could explain why the upcoming games pipeline is seemingly pretty dry. I mean, I'm not trying to downplay Xenoblade and Splatoon. Don't get me wrong. I'm super excited for those games. But considering we know hardly anything about what's happening next year and Nintendo didn't give us a trailer, it could be possible that Nintendo is like stepping back a little bit from some of their upcoming releases to focus on optimization of the games for the base Nintendo Switch so that everyone that still has a Switch can still buy the games, but then also have separate builds for the Switch 2 that can take advantage of the, um, you know, the, the upcoming processing. I don't think that the upcoming games uh, will have different boxes that they come in. Like, Breath of the Wild 2 will just be Breath of the Wild 2 and it'll say Nintendo Switch. But when you plug it into your console, then it will try to download like additional resources or something to for the Switch 2 or something like that. I think that they're going to have to um, do something about that, actually, especially for the games that are not going to be backwards compatible to the Switch 1. I think they're going to have to do something like what the 3DS did, where they had a little bump or whatever. Yeah, the... Uh, 
only on new Nintendo 3DS. Well, not only just that, but also the change in cartridges between the 3DS to the DS, right? Yeah. Because that was a generational the extra gap. notch. Um, because the 3DS was still backwards compatible. But yeah, I don't think there's going to be much performance, like increase internally developed for Breath of the Wild 2, specifically for the Switch 2. I think it's going to be designed to be a Switch game and you can also run it on the Switch 2 and your loading screens will not be a full minute. They'll be like 10 seconds. And that'll be like the big upgrade. <laughs> so like comparing how the Wii U version of the game right now compares yeah. to the Switch version right now. Like they didn't make any like Switch specific stuff for Breath of the Wild, right? No, they didn't. In fact, they scrapped a lot of game mechanics so that it could run on Switch. Yeah. So I don't I don't think there's I think it's just going to be a Switch game that happens to release at the same time as Switch 2, which is also why I kind of think there might be something else that's Switch 2 exclusive. But whatever like the big game was, I think is getting pushed back. Um, yeah. Which my my guess is it's Mario. <laughs> I think Mario is <laughs> going to be the holiday game for next year. At this I point. mean, considering how hard they went with Bowser's Fury and how it struggled on the Switch. I yeah, <laughs> if the Mario team is going hardcore on this like small addition to a re-release, they might be going hard on the follow up to Odyssey. I also think that the Metroid Prime 4 is going to end up being a Switch 2 exclusive. I don't think it's going to be on the Switch. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, it hasn't been released or announced what console it is for yet. So they have the option to do it this way and they're I, they're just going to do it this way. Um, Metroid is a game that's more interested in pushing the hardware more than other Nintendo franchises. It doesn't do it all the time, but retro has shown in the past that they are willing to do it. Yeah. They pushed the Wii really hard. Yeah. (laughs) And that was like in the middle of the Wii's life. (laughs) Um, so I, I could see retro jumping for a new console with more power for their game. Uh, I mean, and just a total aside, I think that like Metroid Prime 3 was one of the only games where I distinctly noticed the sound of the fan on my Wii. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I distinctly noticed the fan on my uh, Switch every time I play Monster Hunter. But (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Anyway, um, we'll have to see what happens with the hardware for sure. Um, We just thought that you know, our listeners might be interested to know what we think about some of these rumors. And of course we'll keep you updated on it. Cause again, like Jordan said, we're enthusiasts. We care about this kind of stuff, <laughs> but anyway, anything else you want to point out about switch Two? What, what will they do for their like switch to exclusive launch title? Is it fire emblem? Do you think it could be, they could release fire emblem in the same like general area as breath of the wild. There's not a lot of overlap there considering we haven't gotten a trailer for it and we basically know that it's done that's possible though i don't know would they make it the switch to exclusive it has to be big enough to get like people to move over to the switch but it can't be so big that it's eating um some of like breath of the wild's lunch right (sighs) that's a good question i honestly don't know they could do F Zero. They could do F Zero, though. F Zero like, would be a really good franchise to like show off specs of a new console. Okay, but did you see like earlier this week there was like a posting where apparently some investor asked Nintendo why there hasn't been an F Zero <laughs> yeah. remake or re-release, and they were like, "We cannot accommodate all franchises." <laughs> you know, what? I'm going to call it. Um, 
the launch title for the Switch 2 will be Pikmin 4. Oh my gosh. Because <laughs> that's a franchise that weirdly uh, pushes like the, the image of a new console. And I'm going to also say it won't make the release of like the console, even though they'll say like it'll be in the launch window. It'll be like a month or two after. <laughs> uh, and Breath of the Wild 2 will basically be holding it up on its own with no actual. <laughs> actual what are you talking about? We'll also game. get like Puyo Puyo Tetris 3. Oh, all right. And uh, Bomberman <laughs> R3. Yeah. Even though Bomberman R was two was announced this week yeah. for Switch. Uh, speaking of partner showcase, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to see if we could transition to that. <laughs> uh, we got the partner showcase mini, which was twenty four minutes, and uh, it's definitely longer than like a lot of Nintendo directs actually. So I don't know if mini is the best word for that, but there was while the like announcements were good i'd say this was a good direct there, there was agree. nothing earth shattering like mini in terms of mini expectations right something to just let people know that there are still games coming out for switch this year even if they're not from nintendo themselves so one of those was bomberman r2 and i will not be getting this game no nope, uh, i don't care either <laughs> <laughs> uh, as much as I, I love bomberman the character and i think that yeah. he's like a cool little dude i just don't care for that kind of gameplay they didn't uh really sell on like why i should get this instead of bomberman r and they're like oh but there's a new mode of 15 on one it's like i don't see that being fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like um, those 3v1 mario party mini games except like i don't know how well you can balance the 15 yeah. on one or whatever so um yeah, that's a pass for me. Konami's not very good anymore anyway, so <laughs> moving on. Um, I, I don't think our notes are in order, so we're just going to go by our notes, which is a random shotgun approach of what we want to talk about with the and, Yeah, some showcase. of the big things that we thought that were yeah. interesting, at least. So we're starting off big uh, with Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Um, it is amazing that this partnership still exists <laughs> but like no one seems to like be phased by it anymore. Like everyone just no. assumes that it's pretty normal at this point. <laughs> it's it's totally fine that the rabbits are hanging out with Mario characters. <laughs> um, it looks really cool. And uh, we didn't get a ton of information in the direct mini or in the partner showcase. It, we got quite a bit more at like Ubisoft's presentation. I think like the next day. And uh, there are a lot of really cool things about the combat in it. One of the things that really stuck out to me was that you're not really bound to a grid system anymore. You basically can just move freely within a particular zone of reach and then you do your actions. And I just think that that's going to add a lot more strategy to how you like take on the game. I think it looks like a worthy sequel <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, it'll do fine. <laughs> it'll be good. It'll be enjoyable. Um, I hope, have they announced if Grant Kirkup is back for the music? Uh, yeah. And I think that they got three different people working on it beyond just Grant and they're like all, all stars. I'll, I'll do a quick, uh, search real fast. Okay. Yeah. So I'm excited. Uh, the first Mario and Rabbids was a pleasant surprise. Everyone thought it was going to be an absolute garbage fire, but it ended up actually being good. The people making it are huge fans of Mario there is a bit of Ubisoftness to it, but it's fine. Um, it the first game definitely felt like it had a B T 
tier budget to it, unfortunately. And so I hope that they have a bit more of a budget for this one and that they are allowed to flesh out some more depth to their ideas. Yeah, absolutely. So they did reveal the uh, um, the composers. Grant Kirkhope is, of course, returning. So that's freaking awesome. Uh, they have a newcomer with uh, Gareth Coker. I'm not sure what he's worked on. Um, oh, I know what he worked on. He worked on Ori in the Blind Forest. Okay, that was and really Halo Infinite. Okay. So yeah, so he, he's he, he's 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 a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then honestly, like as much as I love those two and their soundtracks, I'm also really excited because they also announced that Yoko Shimamura is joining the team. She is the composer for Kingdom Hearts, Streets of Rage, a bunch of Final Fantasy music, and she was the composer for like Super Mario RPG and Mario and Luigi Paper Jam and a couple of other games in Mario. Like All it's, right. I'm calling it's it now. Sick. Gino is in the game. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting rapid Gino, not real Gino. <laughs> I, I mean, I could see it. <laughs> but, oh, be... man wild and i don't know if people would be upset or happy <laughs> which is why, why did he would get do in it? mario and rabbits and not smash bros <laughs> i could see it happening actually oh no <laughs> <laughs> uh it's really cool though I'm, I'm quite excited to see that lineup and hear all of their music because they are great yeah composers that's a all really <laughs> that's an s-tier cast of uh, sound directors um for real <laughs> wide variety of like style to to them yeah you've got the rpg-ness you've got the more western takes from the two british composers you've got the quite a bit more playful uh stuff that grant uh, kirkhope does and then you've got like the epic uh scores from uh from gareth coker so i mean it, it it's gonna be interesting to see how all three of them like are able to tell a really cool cohesive story really cool <laughs> So if anything, the music is going to be phenomenal. I'm I'm pretty excited for this. Um, it's going to be a game I'll get, and it'll probably end up being an eight out of ten for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Just XCOM games are pretty good, right? Yeah, XCOM is pretty good. Um, so, and I honestly like Mario and Rabbids more than XCOM. <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that. <laughs> uh, we also saw more of Sonic Frontiers on Switch. Uh, <laughs> I don't if you're if you're planning on getting this on switch instead of a different system uh god help you I'm, I'm so sorry <laughs> I know people get things on switch for convenience and they probably won't care about graphics but like I'm sorry like I really am <laughs> I think this it is does not be look a great. rough experience on switch it does not look optimized Ugh. at all no it doesn't look optimized for like ps5 and, <laughs> and pc yeah i don't i don't know what they're thinking i mean i don't know i don't have too many opinions on this because i'm probably not going to play it i'm not a big sonic fan like you are i'll play it i'm excited uh i'm hoping for it to either be absolutely horrible or really good if i'll be disappointed if it's average if it's a very (laughs) middling experience i'm ready for either a dumpster fire or to be pleasantly surprised you're you're looking for sonic 06 or sonic mania yeah (laughs) (laughs) So one weird thing about, I believe Sonic Frontiers got, I heard this from a friend, so like maybe this isn't the best source, but they got um, the comic writer for the Sonic comics to write this story. And people really like his stories, actually. Like he's actually, he he wrote like a very interesting 
arc in the comic where like everyone's turning into zombies and stuff uh, because Sega gave him a bunch of limitations like people can't die and all this stuff and people have to always win. And so he's like, well, zombies aren't dead. So he <laughs> actually made like a, a real like emotional story for Sonic in the comics. Um, and I, I believe I was I was told that he's also working on the story for this game, but we'll see. Maybe it won't yeah. be Sonic uh, 06 levels of awful. I just looked it up for you, and that's correct. Okay. It's Ian Flynn, and he was the uh, writer for Sonic the Hedgehog for about 130 issues. <laughs> Though, unfortunately, it seems that Sega provided the story backstory, plot beats, and usable characters, and he had to work his <laughs> so way they're, around they're giving that. him more limitations, but he was able to work with limitations before, so we've got hope. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> If Sega's still controlling the plot beats, we'll have to see. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I, I think it'll be a fine game. Anyway. Yeah, I'll get it for PC. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to put that, uh, what, you have a 3080 <laughs> to good use? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it'll cool. still run like garbage. <laughs> but Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, what else, uh, what, what else, so what else one, was announced? One game that people are talking about, but like... I don't feel like enough people are talking about blank, blank, blank. Uh, it was the game with like the deer and the fox and it looked adorable. Uh, it's a co-op asymmetric sort of game that's slowly been popping up as a genre. And because we had, uh, oh man, a way out, I think it was it was called. And then we got the game that won game of the year last year. I'm drawing a blank. Um, the divorce game. It takes two. It takes two. Yeah, <laughs> um, this is kind of, I believe, in the same vein as those. And uh, it's one that I'll probably end up picking up. It looks pretty fun or well, at least all of the assets are completely hand drawn and yeah, like it looks beautiful. shaded. It looks it, so cool. It looks so beautiful. And that's how you make a switch game at this point. Right. An indie game with a stylistic approach. Yeah, that's how you get people. <laughs> And then you don't have to worry about performance concerns because they're just rendering hand-drawn stuff rather than uh, <laughs> trying to do crazy things. Yeah, it's adorable. Um, I plan to play that with probably a roommate and I'm going to choose the the little wolf because I'm sure it's going to have to eat the <laughs> deer in the end. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It'll probably end up being pretty sad. Um, yeah. We also got a new Monkey Island game, which is surprising. <laughs> uh, point and click adventures are slowly clawing themselves out of the grave. And this is a new one. It's not just like a remake or anything. This this was actually pretty big news, and it seems to have gone under the radar for a lot of people. Monkey Island's a pretty popular series, so I was kind of surprised that not a lot of people were talking about how we're, we're effectively getting a new one. Yeah, Return to Monkey Island, and it looks really cool. I mean, the art style looks really fascinating and I don't know, all about being a pirate, a swashbuckling adventurer. It'll be cool. I think it'll be really good. And I think that like point and click adventures, you know, have kind of grown in popularity because our generation is now like making games quite a bit more and directing them. And we grew up with like Putt-Putt and Freddy the Fish, yeah. you know, <laughs> I love those kid those games as a kid. Those are so great as a kid. In fact, the Steam sale, Jordan, you should hop on. You can get the entire uh, collection of those games for like 50% off right now. Like every <laughs> single one of them. 
<laughs> my cousin was getting into like speed running of one of the pajama sam games and had his time down to like 17 seconds and he was like oh the speed runs are insane <laughs> It was just like, click, 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 click. I'm like, I don't even like see what's going on anymore. This is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I think that Return Monkey Island will be a great game. Cool to see it coming on Switch. So um, another game that was announced for release was Near Automata, the end of Yorha edition. And like, I think that I would be a Near Automata fan <laughs> if I actually played the games. Um, they look really cool to me and I think the combat's cool. I mean, I really like Kingdom Hearts and a lot of the like Tales type games. So I think that I would fit right into the genre. It is a Jerpaga, a JRPG. So <laughs> definitely not for, uh, for Jordans. Um, it is a Jerpaga, but I've heard that it's very stylistic Jerpaga in its game design. So it might be interesting. I might eventually play around with it. Um, but I don't think I'll get it on Switch. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure the same edition, the end of Yorha is also on PC already. <laughs> so like this is another game where, yeah, we're we're ready for the next generation of Switch. But like there's so many options for this game out and about that it's fine. If you if you really want a handheld version of this game and don't have access to a Steam Deck, this is the best way to go about it. Yeah. But yeah, you can get uh, Near Automata Game of Yorha right now on Switch or on a uh, on Steam. So. It's a pretty big game. Uh, I think this would have been cooler, closer to the release of Near Automata. Near came out in what 2017, 2016. I don't recall. I think that's about right, though. It seems a bit late to the party. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I think it's cool to have on handheld for sure. I know a lot of people really love the characters in the game and the story's pretty good too. So on top of that, uh, another one that was at least interesting to me was Pac-Man World Repack, the remake of Pac-Man World. It seems <laughs> just as a little side note, I saw a Twitter thread that's like, I know why they had to remake Pac-Man World and not just remaster it. Miss Pac-Man is gone. <laughs> like They showed Pac-Man's family and it's not Mrs. Pac-Man. It's like her name is like pac-man's wife what <laughs> and she doesn't have the bow she's like a totally different character i mean there's been a lot of copyright issues with the character miss pac-man um, oh exactly i'm sure that's like because why. she wasn't made by namco she was made by hackers in america who hacked a game of pac-man if i remember right I, I believe you're right. I think I and saw this they, in a documentary. And then they ended up licensing out their basically their modded version like it's of the game. Um, but they forgot to take the rights to the, the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the characters. Yeah. I mean, I loved Pac-Man World 2 on the GameCube. I thought that it was like a really fun world kind of fun little get from the start to the finish of like a little bit of exploration 2D platforming or 3D platforming. Excuse me. And uh, I I might give Pac-Man World Repack a try, but I would be more excited if it was Pac-Man World 2 being remade. I am very excited. I am unreasonably excited for this game. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I played so much Pac-Man World 2 on the GameCube back when I was a kid. Uh, like you, I have never played this game, but uh, if it's anything like World 2, then I'm, I'm going to enjoy myself. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that like, this might be a sign that Namco is interested in returning to some of their earlier masterpieces because I know that there are a lot of big fans of Pac-Man World, uh, the first one, and that it's like really great game. So I, I am excited to give it a try. 
it just makes me hope that it sells well enough that they remake Pac-Man World 2 <laughs> as well. Yeah. I mean, like now that they have the engine and stuff, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure Pac-Man World 2 is coming. Yeah, I sure hope so. I love the soundtrack in that game, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> I played it so much. I played it first on PlayStation 2 at my grandma's house before we had our GameCube. And then we got the GameCube and I was like, oh, it's also on GameCube. Heck yes. And I got it. And I've played it. I haven't 100 percented it because some of those fruits are just like so hard to find. But it's so good. It's so fun. And it should be good. Um, beyond Pac-Man World, we also have... They just announced, like for a same day release, I believe, uh, the Portal Companion Collection launching on Switch. It marks Portal on like every console now, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just more proof that like Valve just doesn't care about competition or anything. No. Like they released the Steam Deck this year, and they're like, "Oh, we should also like put our like biggest game we've ever made on the Switch as a portable game when like <laughs> we already had a portable p- Portal." <laughs> on our our own system (laughs) i know (laughs) uh it's so funny i love the portal games uh portal one was just so much fun and i got into portal two when i was like a freshman in college and i love i love the games they are so fun and i'm excited for a lot of people to play them that have never played them before i think that there are going to be a lot of like kids and teenagers that have heard about the games that will actually pick it up because it's on switch now so portal one and two are S tier games. They are absolutely. 10. I would say portal one's a nine out of 10 and portal two is a 10 out of 10. Like portal I would two, agree with that. Portal two feels like the full game and portal one feels like a demo. Um, well, portal one was basically a demo. There are only like 12 levels yeah. or something. I think portal one was just showing off their engine. Uh, source <laughs> yeah. engine. Look at this. We can connect the world together and you can see through the portal. Like, yeah, so cool. It was a masterclass in game design. And then Portal 2 is just also a masterclass in game design and a masterclass in storytelling. Like, it's oh, yeah. One of the best stories in gaming. Well, best writing. Um, I really, really like the dialogue in that game. It's so hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially like the dialogue that happens during gameplay. So yeah. not just in like the cutscenes and stuff, but like as you're walking around, characters will talk and it's good. It feels reminiscent of the old point and click adventure games, but it's not a point and click adventure. It's a it's a puzzle game. Yeah, it's a 3D puzzle and it's really good. <laughs> I'm very I'm very happy for the people that have them. I, of course, have had them on Steam for years and years, so I, yeah. I probably won't pick it up because I can just play it on my, any of my computers. <laughs> I'll play it on the Steam Deck. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> Awesome. Um, They also announced, and I think this one is honestly pretty huge, um, Persona 3 Portable, Persona 4 Golden, and Persona 5 Royal for the Nintendo Switch, which is really awesome. Those are all really great games. Uh, Persona 5 was up there at the same year as Breath of the Wild as a contender for Game of the Year, I believe. Um, Characters are awesome in all of these games. The storytelling is really great. It is a JRPG, but it's so it's so stylistic that sometimes it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> um, and I love the games very, very much. They were very fun to play through, and I'm excited for people to play them on the Switch, especially since Joker was put in Smash Bros. a long time ago. And part of me is like, why didn't they try to get Persona 5 out on Switch faster? Be it, to be out around the same time as Joker being in Smash. So but. 
The fact that this announcement came weeks after Xbox announcing it coming for PC and Xbox tells me that Sony had an exclusivity publishing deal for five years. Because it's, it's yeah, exactly like five, years, five exactly. years since release. So I'm pretty sure it was in contract. And as soon as that contract expired, they pushed it out on everything. Good point. Because it's also all on PC now too, right? Yep. Well, PC, Clearly Xbox, because it was announced Switch. for at Microsoft. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of Nintendo fans who don't own a PlayStation that are going to want to play Persona 5 because they want to see where Joker came from. Yeah. <laughs> It uh, looks like Persona 5 isn't on PC yet, but Persona 4 Golden is. Uh, Persona 5 it was announced, though. For right, PC. it was announced. Yeah. I was just looking at the yeah, current so, listing. So Persona <laughs> 4 Golden came out for PC. I, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. It came out during the pandemic, and it was a huge success on Steam to the point where Atlas came out and said, we didn't know people played games on PC. We just happened to <laughs> throw this out there. Classic Atlas. Uh, so like Atlas said during that like conference or like after Persona 4 came out for Steam that they were going to also push other Atlas games to PC because this was a market that they weren't uh, utilizing properly well, I'm glad so. they are because it, it's cool to have them on multiple consoles you get more people playing yeah but um, beyond all of that I think that's about it that was like some of the bigger stuff announced of course there were other titles but nothing that I that really caught my attention yeah, I, th- I think I think we covered pretty much the direct. Like we said, like it's a lot of stuff that we already knew was coming and we just got updates on, which was nice. And then we got some like, uh, oh, hey, that's cool looking games like Pac-Man World and Monkey Island and blank. And then also the announcement near. But like nothing like a huge triple A exclusive uh, reveal like uh, Donkey Kong or <laughs> <laughs> I guess it would, they also said it was going to be third party. So a good one would have been, Oh, I don't even know. Cause we already got monster hunter. Like there's not a new Mega right, Man they, game. <laughs> a new Mega Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or a new v- beautiful Joe. That would have blown things away. <laughs> oh, a new beautiful Joe. Oh my gosh. That, that probably would have lit the internet on fire. <laughs> But um, we oh, we also got like the Battle Network games as well. Uh, oh, yeah. That collection of Mega Man stuff. Yeah. I've actually never played the Battle Network games, so Me maybe neither. I'll give it a try. It was kind of funny that they were like, and it comes with 10 games or whatever. And like four of them are just slightly different versions. That's like calling Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue different games. <laughs> so they arbitrarily inflated the number of games. But whatever. Yeah. Oh, well. But what was interesting uh, about this sh- uh, showcase was they didn't give us any news about Bayonetta. Yeah. Right? Uh, I am uh, losing hope that it's coming this year. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> we got one trailer a few months ago, right? Yeah. And we haven't heard a single thing since. Yeah, they said 2022. Uh, it, I, I, oof, oof. To the fact that it just says 2022 without release date yet, and we are now in July, I don't think if if it's getting if it's coming this year, it has to get its release date announced like this month. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> For a game like Bayonetta, it needs to be announced and built up rather than just being released. Um, I think there are a lot of fans that will get it, but it is the type of game that needs a marketing push to sell well. Yeah. But where was it? Why wasn't it in this direct? 
So maybe Nintendo does have like an internal direct. Uh, <laughs> the fact that they missed June, though, like if they're going to have a direct in September, which is the other month, like they normally have a big direct. And since Splatoon is coming out that month, I'm sure they want some big push for Splatoon around that time. So maybe a late August direct. It's possible Bayonetta gets revealed for like December in that direct. They could pull it off there. They could for sure, because Pokemon would still be the big holiday selling game for all ages. And then Bayonetta would be a good December game for the more adult seeking. Well, and there's also the metric prime rumors still, and people are still doubling down on it. Like leakers are still saying like, yeah, metric prime is still coming this year. Yeah. But just Metroid Prime 1, not yeah. a collection. So it might be that Metroid Prime is the October game. Because like with a remake, you don't need that big of a marketing push, right? You could no, announce no, no. it in August at like some hypothetical direct that focuses on just the later half of that year. Have that direct focus on Splatoon for September, Metroid for October, Pokemon for November, and Bayonetta for December. And you've got a solid end of the year and then also announced that uh you got the switch mini oled and like that's a banger direct and like the, then they can wait until january where they start revealing the switch two with Bay- with breath of the wild 2 and uh their initial lineup for that console i could see it it's amazing how our predictions have evolved over the year as nintendo's <laughs> thrown us more curveballs <laughs> yeah nintendo has been kind of floundering around this year but i'm hopeful you are the chosen one i'm just kidding (laughs) we just had high hopes and everything seemed to be lining up for this year to be so big and then it just hasn't happened so i mean it's still great games coming i am beyond excited for xenoblade the fact that i like stayed on those web pages to get the special edition as long as i did is a testament to how excited i am for it (laughs) and honestly i am super tempted to get the splatoon oled switch i don't have an oled switch yet and i've kind of wanted one for a while because i do play quite a bit in handheld um especially like pokemon and such so might be nice, but then again, Switch 2 right around the corner. Do I feel like it's worth spending $300, $350 on a console when I might be getting a new one next year? I don't know. I'm only going to buy a new system if it has actual performance increase. <laughs> no, Jordan, the new chip that they're putting in it is from 2017. <laughs> How are they still making this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's much else to really say about this uh, partner showcase and some of these uh, rumors. I think we are excited for quite a few games on the list, as we've mentioned, but I think I'm about out of things to say. Is there anything else you wanted to say? I think I'm good. All right. Um, Let us know how excited you are for these games. Uh, You can actually chat with us on our Discord server by going to nintendfusion.com slash Discord. That'll get you one of those invites. Uh, We have a nice little community, and we're always interested in chatting with people about Nintendo stuff. You can let us know how wrong we are about our speculations for the next uh, year and a half, or if you agree with us and whatnot. Um, On top of that, you can leave us a review and like the video on YouTube. Um, Doing those things really does help the algorithms help promote our content so that more folks can find the show and listen to it and enjoy it just like you do. With all that said, though, we really appreciate you listening to this episode of the Nintendo Fusion podcast. And with that, we'll go ahead and sign off and say thanks so much. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye bye. See ya.